You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, December 5th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Editor Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? Uh, it, it is Monday, Ben. I'm sure you know that because we're back at work. Uh, did you do anything exciting over the weekend? Uh, man, I don't know about you. I've just been catching up on a ton of end of the year stuff. Like, uh, I'm lucky enough to have some, uh, screeners sent to me and stuff for the end of the year. And I'm really just trying to <laughs> blow through these things and catch up on as much stuff as I missed, which is a considerable amount this year. So, um, yeah, I've just been like watching movies nonstop basically. Oh, I've, I've missed a lot of stuff. Is there anything good that you can mention or... Um, I saw the Banshees of Inna Sharon, which I know a lot of people have seen and talked about. I really like that a lot. Um, I saw Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about yet. 
but um, I'll just say I was very surprised by it. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah, I didn't see anything over the weekend. I still haven't seen the new Steven Spielberg movie, which is insane to me. Wow, Peter, what? <laughs> I, I mentioned this on the podcast previously, but like on my birthday, I went out to dinner and afterwards we had tickets to see the movie, but it was like supposed to start at like 1030. And then we realized, oh, with credits, I mean, with the uh, trailers, it wasn't going to start until 11 and it's like a two and a half hour movie. So we, we like canceled the tickets. Because I was like, I don't know, we're just getting too old to stay yeah. out that way. And I just haven't made, I don't know, I, I want to see it in the theater. I don't want to see it on a stupid screener and like, you know, DVD quality. Yeah. So uh, I just haven't, this weekend I spent uh, the whole weekend at the Los Angeles Convention Center for LA Comic Con, which uh, used to be called Stan Lee's Kamikaze, but uh, they uh, in recent years have gone under LA Comic Con. And uh, I'm not sure if it's the pandemic or or maybe it's just me getting old, but I'm I, I just am not good with like how many people are crammed into like one small space anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's crazy how like especially on Saturday, if, if I give you any tip for Los Angeles Comic Con, anybody listening out there or probably any Comic Con, this is probably relevant for any Comic Con. Don't go on Saturday. We we went. <laughs> we actually left uh, because it was so crazy, and we came back the next day on Sunday, and it was a breeze. It was like so much, so the, the aisles were walkable. It wasn't like you were uh, Ben. You've been at Comic Con before, mm-hmm. where you're kind of like you're not walking. You're in a a mass of people that are pushing forward, yeah. and you're just going with it. And that's what it was like on Saturday and Sunday. It was it was it was good. So. Anyways, uh, let's get into the news. Uh, last week, Sight & Sound released its updated list of the greatest movies of all time. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so um, this is a, a list that comes out once a decade. So it's been, you know, obviously since 2012, since the last one came out, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo was previously the number one slot. Uh, and now that has been overtaken by Chantal Ackerman's uh, Jean Dielman, I think is how you pronounce this name. I've actually never seen this movie, Peter. I don't know if you have. I um, have not. And it also has like a much longer title than that. Yeah. Just that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this one was not even really on my radar at all, which I'm kind of embarrassed to say if it's like this, um, you know, widely acclaimed by so many people. Um, this is like, I think 1600 people vote on this. And there's like a, um, I guess like a, a film critic's version of the list and then also the uh, there's like a whole selection of directors that participate and stuff like this and if you follow people like um edgar wright on instagram for example he's been talking a little bit in recent days about um you know sharing some some insights into you know what went into his list and and um i think he was able to write some stuff for the the publication as well um sort of like on behalf of uh of some of these directors so um yeah really interesting stuff here i mean there's there's been like some pretty I, I guess you could say like broadly speaking the um the canon as we sort of know come have come to know it is largely still in place but because so many different voices <laughs> have uh, entered the fray in terms of the voting body and like how different uh, all of that looks now in, in a great way by the way um there are a lot of sort of like um under previously underrepresented voices and, and still currently underrepresented voices that are, are now starting to sort of like poke through uh, a ceiling that that has been in place for a long long time so um there's there's a lot of really cool stuff on this list that uh that wasn't there previously and um 
and like filmmakers that that weren't there previously. So I think it's 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 kind of like um you know I don't think anyone should let this dictate uh, <laughs> their thoughts about any of these movies. But I think as as uh, Mike Shutt, one of our writers, put it in one of his pieces about this, it's just like useful to sort of take the temperature of the room, so to speak, and sort of like get an idea of what the um, I don't know, the critical body, I guess, like at large thinks about, uh, where we stand in terms of, you know, what movies, um, deserve to be talked about. And then, you know, we can all splinter off into our own conversations and have, uh, deeper conversations about why that is and, and whether that's actually valid and, and all sorts of stuff. So I just, you know, I love thinking about this stuff and, and talking about it. So, uh, I'm glad that there is a thing that happens once every 10 years that sort of, um, everybody's always off in their own bubbles and own <laughs> own niches. And this seems to be one of those water cooler things where everybody gathers around and like, at least take, at least takes notice of this thing for a little while. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing is, as far as I know, what, what this poll is, is the critics that participate in it and we did not participate in it. Uh, they su- submit a, 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 list of films right like it's not like they gather in a room or zoom somewhere right. and like come up with this list it's not like one of those you know like uh when you see you know the rolling stones top 10 films of all time you know it's usually like they, there's, there's a room and people are like it's kind of like oh actually the better the better comparison <laughs> is at, at the end of the year you, you hear it on this podcast where we're <laughs> fighting to to build the, the top 10 films of the year this is like uh, all these people that are fragmented around the world submitting lists and it uh, gets tabulated in some way. I don't don't have the information on how it's tabulated, but it it comes over with this list. And what's interesting here is we have the the first ever top film uh, is directed by a woman. Um, uh, Like you said, we're both embarrassed. We haven't uh, seen this film, but it's interesting that this film was 35, 10 years ago. It was yeah. 35 on the list, and it, it skyrocketed to, to number one. It's not like people get together and like be like, let's put this on, you know, let's get this to number one to say something. Like, I don't think that's how it happened. So I'm like wondering, how did this happen? How did a film go from 35 to one? Like, I'm, I'm just really curious about that. Uh, I, I will say that it, it's funny to see Citizen Kane kind of like slowly go down the list. It used to be number one on the list, and then uh, I think – maybe 20 years ago. And then uh, 10 years ago was Vertigo. And -hmm. Vertigo uh, is now number two. Citizen Kane is number three. Uh, So so it's not far down the list. I'm not like saying it's like it's been kicked off the list. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's just funny uh, as time goes by, seeing it slowly slide. Uh, But let's go over the the rest of the list here. Uh, Wait, so so what do you think of Vertigo? You've definitely seen Vertigo. I have seen Vertigo, yes. Um, Yeah, I, I, I remember 10 years ago, I was certainly not nearly as developed in my taste as I was, as I am now. And and sort of thinking of Vertigo as like an odd choice um, to be the number one greatest film of all time. It sort of seems like uh, a lot to put on any movie. Um, I thought Citizen Kane could withstand that, could sort of like, um, you know, shoulder that burden in a way. Um, maybe it's just the age difference between those two movies. Maybe it's like the... I don't know, the sort of like totemic quality of Citizen Kane. But I I still, again, having not seen the current number one movie here, so I can't really weigh in on that, but um, I, I still like personally prefer Citizen Kane to Vertigo. So I don't know what that says about me, but um, but yeah, that, that's just sort of where I am right now. See, I've always been the Vertigo person. And, and I don't know, Citizen Kane, I, I get why many people consider it one of the, the best films of all time. 
but I feel like as a story, uh, I think it's mostly <laughs> maybe we'll go get ahead for this, but I feel like uh, a lot of the reason why Citizen Kane is considered so great is from filmmaking reasons and not from like it, it being like one of the best stories ever told. Hmm. Well, I mean, you're certainly not the only person to feel this way. I'll just say that, uh, you know, as somebody who grew up hearing like, oh, Citizen Kane, whatever, and like just kind of sort of rolling my eyes at it and then seeing it once in, you know, like uh, whatever it was, uh, maybe early college or something and being like, oh, that, that was better than I thought. And then rewatching it again a couple of years ago, a few years ago, and I'm just being completely blown away by it. I was like, man, this movie is way more than just, you know, the sort of homework that I think a lot of people assume with it. And I think we've talked about it on this podcast before. So uh, definitely recommend checking out all these movies. And yeah, there are a ton that I need to add to my personal watch list. So um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. A four is Tokyo Story, five in the mood for love, six, uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey, seven, uh, Beau Travel, I think is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, eight, Mulholland Drive, nine, Man in the with a Movie Camera, and 10, Singing in the Rain. It's also interesting to look at the director's poll because it's, uh, to be honest, it's a lot of the same movies, just in different order the the ones that are not on that list uh 2001 space odyssey was number one on the director's list which is just interesting and so this came number two godfather number three but i i wanted to mention uh, some of the films that are not on the other list is eight and a half uh mirror persona and close-up uh which looks like a bunch of those tied so anyways, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to look over the list. But I was wondering, Ben, if you were going to make your like if you were going to submit your critics list for this poll, what movie would you put at number one? Oh, God. At number one, Peter, this is so yeah. tough. I thought we were just going to have a larger conversation about, oh, yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, a couple <laughs> of these here and there kind of thing. You're making me narrow it down to one, number one. Jeez. Um, well, here's also a question. Like, do you think when 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 critics submit their lists? Do you think that they're submitting a list that is their top 10 that they think the top 10 best films of all time, greatest films of all time? Or do you think they're playing the game? Do you think they're putting something at number one because they know that the by putting it at number one, it has more weight and it could help? I mean, well, like, if, the, if that's even how they choose the uh, – yeah. I guess I must be because um, I don't know how else they would. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They would narrow it down, but um. And by the way, there's a uh, 1,639 critics, programmers, curators, archivists, and academics. And the directors list is 480 directors and filmmakers. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, th- there's always that's always the kind of the fun thing about the lists, right? Is like the sort of gamifying it because that <laughs> you know everybody can make a list, but like the idea of um, making something together as a as a collective as a group is um, that that's part of it. That's kind of like how you yeah that like playing the game is part of the fun of that. I think. Um, Man, I, I really don't know, Peter, about like which one would be number one. I know, like off the top of my head, that I would absolutely put Portrait of a Lady on Fire very, very high up on that list. Even though that movie came out in 2019, that that uh, appeared on Sight and Sounds list. That was like part of this conversation of like how soon is too soon to add a movie to the greatest movies of all time conversation. Um, I think that movie just like floored me in a in a way that very, very few other movies have. So I, I would a hundred percent put that very high up on there. I would also have a hard time not putting, you know, stuff like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and just like, you know, classics that I grew up with on there that I think have uh, genuine value as well. So um, I think it would be uh, a split of a bunch of different types of stuff that I just love. And I, I, I'm sure you've seen a lot of people um, posting their own lists online and on, on Twitter and stuff like that. And People, um, you know, getting up in arms about like uh, Ty West, the director of um, House of the Devil and X and Pearl, for example, had like a list that I think a lot of people were like, this is basic. This is, you know, like, I don't know if you saw that at all, Peter, but um, his list is like just like a bunch of classic movies and like, uh, you know, pretty like mainstream right down the middle kind of movies. And like, that's probably pretty close to what my list would look like, I have to say. Yeah, it, it's hard because, like, do you submit the greatest films of all time, which the list is titled, or do you submit your favorite films of all time? And I feel I like if you've got to go with the title. Yeah, because my favorite films of all time, number one would be Back to the Future, but, like, greatest films of all time, I don't know. Like, I, Vertigo would be on the list. I really love Vertigo. I, I, uh, Cinema Paradiso would be on the list for, for sure for me. For uh, Jaws, I'm surprised Jaws didn't make the top ten of either of these lists i'm sure it's probably in the the coming like uh 10 or 20 underneath that mm. but um yeah i don't know it, it's 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 really tough and it's it's really interesting to see they how diverse the first first of all how uh spread out the the years are of, mm-hmm. of these films like it, it, it's it's pretty widespread and um yeah, I don't know. It, 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 <laughs> I, I love that they do this. I love that they do it every 10 years. And I love that we we get to uh, see it. Does Sight & Sound still publish a, like an actual magazine? I think so, yes. I think I saw people actually taking photos of an actual magazine, yes. Yeah, because my favorite thing would be in the past to get that magazine. And it would actually have like the directors would write their list and it would actually be like a piece of paper. Like it probably isn't anymore. I'm guessing, but it, it used to be like a piece of paper that they would like actually write the list on. Like it was like a form and submit and like they would publish like the pictures of all the paper, like a bunch of the, maybe not all the papers, like the big film director papers. And it was always cool to see like, you know, who, you know, David Fincher, what, what top 10 films did he put on there? And mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. so anyways, um, what else do we have in the news? Oh, uh, big news. Uh, this is kind of more industry news. Legendary is heading to Sony Pictures for a new theatrical distribution deal. So uh, I'm try to explain this as, as best as possible. So Sony Pictures, Legendary, Legendary Entertainment have made a new multi-year worldwide film distribution partnership. Uh, the deal is going to replace Legendary's previous deal with Warner Brothers. However, that... Uh, 
there's going to be some lingering properties like Dune Part Two and the MonsterVerse movies that they're still going to be a part of. Uh, but if you don't know who Legendary is, they they broke onto the scene like pr- in a pretty huge way. Like uh, Thomas Tall started this company and uh, made a deal with Warner Brothers, and he was part of uh, you know you probably f- the first film that Legendary's logo was on was Batman Begins. So I mean, uh, and uh, you know they were part of all, all the early DCEU mo- movies, including the Dark uh, Knight trilogy, uh, as well as M Knight's uh, Lady in the Water, Zack Snyder's Three Hundred Watchmen, and Sucker Punch, uh, Trick or Treat, Where the Wild Things Are, Clash of the Titans, Christopher Nolan's Inception and Interstellar, Ben Affleck's The Town, The Hangover movies, Pacific Rim, the Godzilla, uh, Godzilla films. Uh, so I. I don't know, back in like, uh, what is that, like the 2000s, I guess? Um, they, they were kind of like the brands. Like I, <laughs> you looked at them as like, the if you wanted geek tentpole movies, they were the brand. And not, not just geek tentpole movies, but like some of the movies were like um, elevated, I guess is the word. Mm-hmm. Like the Chris Nolan movies. Stuff like that. So, like, it, they, they really made a huge name for themselves. They went over to Universal, and uh, their time over there has been kind of a a mixed bag. They were involved in the Jurassic World franchise, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak, Warcraft, which was kind of a disaster, mm-hmm. Skyscraper, Mamma Mia 2. And then they were part of, like, a bunch of, like, uh, award films, like Straight Outta Compton, Steve Jobs, and Black Klansmen. Uh, and then they moved back to Warner Brothers, where they did Pokemon, Detective Pikachu, more of the MonsterVerse movies, Dune, and A Christmas Story Christmas, I guess. <laughs> Weird. I don't know. Like it just feels like like they they lost steam. Like especially after that deal that they, they uh, the company made with um, they had this China deal. But mm-hmm. anyways, so they're gonna be now at Sony. Uh, Sony will market and release Legendary's new upcoming films. Legendary will like develop them uh, around the world. Uh, Sans China, where Legendary East will handle all the marketing and distribution for the movies. I'm guessing that's because Legendary East is a Chinese company and it makes it easier to get distribution <laughs> over there with a <laughs> Chinese company ahead of it. Uh, but um, it, the interesting thing here, like, you know, I'm sure people are listening to this and they're like, you know, what does this mean for me? Good, great. Two companies made a deal. Uh, I legendary and Sony are both aligned uh, in their commitment for theatrical distribution and like having it be a downstream of like you know first the movie goes theatrical, then it'll end up being on streaming at mm-hmm. some point. Um, I guess the question is what films, what franchises in the Sony library will Legendary work on? Like, what would you like to see them work on? I mean, I'd love to see them uh, do new stuff or like, um, if not new stuff, then like recognizable properties that have not been adapted for the big screen before or, 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 you know, like I guess Batman begins, like there had obviously been Batman movies before, but like that kicked off a whole thing. That was like a seismic shift in the industry really was that, that sort of, um, you know, set the template for like uh, Casino Royale and so many things that came out, you know, right around that time. Um, I mean, lo- just looking at like a list of Sony projects, there's a lot here, but a lot of it's complicated, right? Because we've got like 
the Spider-Man stuff, which is all tied up with Marvel and Disney. So like, that's probably not going to be anything that legendary is just going to, you know, uh, be able to, to stick their finger in. Um, well, they could be part of the, uh, the spider verse movies. The, uh, by that, I mean the, like the venom and the, like the offshoots that are not. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Um, and, <laughs> and maybe, maybe that could be a way if they are able to, um, to get into that, maybe they could sort of like have a little bit more of a, uh, quality control over what those yeah. movies have become recently um 21 jump street i mean if they wanted to bring something like that back i feel like that might be a good fit for some something like legendary um like i know they tried a, a reboot or another uh, iteration of charlie's angels not too long ago oh, yeah. um that didn't really work out super well but like that kind of thing is is what i think would be um sort of a, a um a correct fit for what you imagine the legendary of 2022 looking like. Yeah, I think you are right. I think their biggest, uh, the biggest potential for them is to find more dunes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Find more yeah, like yeah. book properties that could get that big. The one thing about legendary, I will say is they, they bet, they bet big with the filmmaker, right? Like, uh, you know, you look at their, their slate and even when they were at, um, Universal, you know, they did a Guillermo del Toro movie. They gave Duncan Jones, like coming off of Moon and and uh, uh, Source Code, Source Code, yeah, like a you know big video game movie. Uh, you know, like they, so like I, I like that, and I would like to see it paired more with like maybe you know some uh, bigger budget like adaptation. I don't know what bigger budget adaptation Sony can get their hands on. But um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what what legendary does at Sony. Uh, but one side of me thinks like, is this the like last gasp of legendary? Because I feel like they they kind of made this huge splash at Warner Brothers in the beginning, and they've kind of it's been diminishing returns ever since. But yeah, everything has changed so much now. I, I would love to see them stick around because I, I do think that there is like a um a sense of quality that's that's still associated with that brand um even though like you mentioned it, it's been a, on a bit of a, a downward slide recently I, I still think there's potential there um I, I think they they have the resources to you know like you say sort of like elevate things bring things up into a little bit more than just like what you would traditionally expect from um sort of a, a like a soulless blockbuster i feel like there's a um, it, it almost feels like there's a, a human touch behind the decisions that are being made there, even if we don't necessarily agree with all the decisions that they've been yeah. making recently. So, um, yeah, as far as like, you know, these sort of, uh, blockbuster companies whose logos come up before the, the movie starts, <laughs> I think they're, they're one that actually like holds a bit of fondness in my heart for the, that amazing run they went on early on. So I would hate to see them completely fold or, or, you know, just compl- uh, like peter off by the you know, uh, by the end of this, this, uh, in the next five years or something like that. And, and with Sony being like you mentioned in the beginning of the conversation, like the, the sort of, um, almost like sole holdout, uh, major studio as like a, a place that does not have its own streaming service and, and a company that is still solely devoted to the theatrical experience. It makes sense that, um, legendary will want to, get into bed with them and and really go all in on creating that thing that like brings people back to theaters. So uh, I hope it works out. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, you can find more of all of our work at slash You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. 
please feel free to subscribe to our newsletter. I'll put the link in the show notes. You can send us, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peterslawsome.com. And please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.